2: Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues.
0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Face Connecticut. I'm Morgan Cunningham, and we're on WTIC News Talk 1080, Light 100.5 WRCH, and 96.5 TIC. This morning, we're going to be diving into the topic of Eversource and Orsted partnering together and kind of focusing a lot on wind energy and how it's impacting Connecticut. So it's a big topic, very broad, and a number of things to discuss, so we'll dig right on in. Let's bring on Mike Osrey. He's Vice President of Business Development at Eversource Energy. Good morning, Mike. Welcome to the show.
1: Good morning, Morgan. Thanks so much for, for having us on today.
0: Absolutely. And also joining us in our conversation is David Ortiz, Head of Government Affairs and Market Strategy, Northeast at Orsted. Good morning, David. Thank you for being here. Good morning, Morgan. Good morning, Mike. Nice to be with you. Let's just start with a basic background of this partnership maybe for somebody who's new to connecticut or really hasn't dug into this topic yet you've got two big energy companies working together for the greater good of reducing carbon emissions bringing on more wind energy where did this partnership begin how and why
3: maybe i'll I'll just kick off to give a little bit of background on on orsted and then mike uh hand off to you to talk about the genesis of our our joint venture partnership okay um i think folks Folks are familiar, I would imagine, with Eversource. Um, Orsted is a newer company to Connecticut, but we're not new to offshore wind. We're the pioneer in this industry. We've been um, building offshore wind farms for 20 years. we built the first offshore wind farm in the world. Uh, we own and operate America's first offshore wind farm, Block Island Wind, uh, and we've got 28 um, projects, over 1,500 turbines installed, Globally, so um, new to North America, and it, this is a new industry um, to North America, and and our company's approach has been to partner with really strong partners who understand um, <clears throat> the the onshore transmission business, and who um, we have a, a nice kind of complementary kind of uh, offer to bring, and that's <clears throat> that's how Orsted wound up joining forces with Eversource, but I'll I'll hand off to you, Mike. Mike? Yeah, thanks, David.
1: Eversource formed its partnership with URSTED in in, in 2016, and together we own three offshore wind leases um, um, in the the federal waters offshore of of New England. And together, those leases, we estimate, can can hold over 4,000 megawatts of of, of offshore wind uh, farms, so a significant opportunity to, to bring offshore wind here into New England and the, and the Northeast, and and Morgan, how how we really, the genesis of this partnership was exactly as David described. Um, it's uh, Whenever Source looked at the potential of offshore wind to help with our transition to clean energy here in, in New England and the Northeast, we saw great potential, and we'd been monitoring the development of the industry, which is really, uh, initially was pioneered in Europe. And when we started researching who the, who the, who the best developers um, and operators were that out there, we, we quickly found Ersted. Um They are by far the world's leader in offshore wind. And so we saw uh, the makings of a very strong partnership, you know, combining New England's largest energy company with the world's leader in offshore wind. We, we saw this as a real opportunity to, to make offshore wind a reality here in the region.
0: When I think about shifting over to cleaner energy and moving away from fossil fuels, and it's an issue that we hear more and more about uh, as the years go by, right? And it's a big challenge and a big goal, too. The, Connecticut has its own goal. The United States has a bigger picture goal. So where does Connecticut size up in this kind of piece of the pie in shifting away from fossil fuels over to cleaner energy? David?
3: Well, Connecticut is right at the center of this new industry and um, really right at the heart of President Biden's 30 gigawatts by 2030 gold. We've got um, Revolution Wind is a project that will serve energy to Connecticut as well as to Rhode Island. And because we're building one of the first wind farms in North America here off the coast of Connecticut, we're utilizing Um, a lot of the assets that uh, Connecticut has to offer to this industry, including state pier and and our workforce here in Connecticut. So um, Connecticut is um, punching above its weight when it comes to um, this new industry and and, um, what we really need to accomplish in in the United States to, to meet these really crucial carbon reduction goals.
0: Mike, when it comes to the partnership between Orsted and Eversource, there are three offshore wind farms. How is it shaping up right now? This is just beginning, from what I understand.
1: Correct. We're, we're, we are in the early stages, but a lot, a lot is happening. So, uh, together with Ørsted, we're in, the, we're in the midst of developing, as you said, three offshore wind farms. And each of these wind farms are in, in, in different stages along the development curve. So, let me, I'll quickly walk through with you the, these these three projects. The first one that I'll start with is Revolution Wind. And that's an exciting project because that will be Connecticut's first offshore wind farm. Um, That project, when it's complete, will provide 304 megawatts of power to Connecticut and 400 megawatts uh, to Rhode Island. And together between those two states, we estimate that this wind farm will provide power for the equivalent of 350,000 homes, both in Connecticut and Rhode Island. And that's the equivalent of of removing 200,000 cars from the road. So very excited about Revolution Wind. Uh, that project is in the permitting stages. We expect construction to begin next year, and, that, and we're also expecting that project to go into, into service in 2025, so right around the corner. But in addition to Revolution Wind, we're developing two projects that will serve New York. Uh, the first one is South Fork Wind. That will be New York's first offshore wind. That project has actually completed its permitting and is actually under construction. So we started onshore construction this year, and we expect the offshore work to begin late this year, early next year, and that project will go into service next year. And then Sunrise Wind is is the larger of the two projects we're building for New York. That's a 924-megawatt project, and that's that project is, is on a similar time frame as Revolution Wind, and we expect Sunrise Wind to go into service in 2025. So all in all, those three, pro- th- those three projects will power or provide enough power to serve over a million homes. So very excited about these three, three projects.
0: Mike, any idea or comment on the size of these wind farms when you're offshore? You know, I've seen some photos of existing ones elsewhere. They're huge. You know, how do you secure all of that space? Yeah,
1: they, they're, they're breathtaking. I've had the opportunity to go see um, some of the larger wind farms in, in Europe, and they're, they're they're breathtaking in terms of their size um, and their ability to generate power a, on a consistent uh, on a consistent basis. So, really, in terms of the, the leasing arrangement, um, which where we build the wind farms, we build within leases that are that are uh, that are created and auctioned off by the federal government, specifically the Department of Interior. They've been um, uh, got to give credit to the Department of Interior. They have done a real, a real um, uh, 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 good job and shown a lot of leadership, and in, in identifying very good lease areas um, off the coast, off the off our East Coast, that um, also take into consideration things such as shipping and fishing. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the federal government that has identified these lease areas, and uh, with, with a lot of thought that went into it.
0: And when we think about offshore wind in the New England region, is it unique to New England or states along the coast? I mean, a state, uh, let's say you're in Kansas, you know, there's no offshore wind. So is this something that is unique to our area? having offshore wind
1: I've been in the energy industry for over 25 years and and you know over that time I've I've developed a a strong belief that you you take you 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 harness the uh, the natural resources that you have in in your region and they're going to vary by region so what makes New England and the Northeast unique when it comes to offshore wind are the very steady and strong wind speeds um, that are offshore and also the relatively shallow water depths um, that makes it, you know, relatively easier to install these these wind turbines. And then finally, the proximity of these areas with strong winds and and shallow waters, the proximity to major population centers like Boston, Connecticut, and New York, uh, makes it ideal for offshore wind. But that that you know that'll vary vary across the. Uh, across the U.S. in terms of what resources make the most sense.
0: What does this mean for Connecticut? So we get offshore wind here in the Nutmeg State that can serve Connecticut. About how many homes or businesses are we looking at powering opposed to maybe more traditional methods of powering up homes? How does it size up?
1: For our Revolution Wind Project, we estimate that that project would be enough power to serve 350,000 homes between Connecticut and Rhode Island. But we are not the only offshore wind developers that are out there. There are other projects um, that are being uh, developed uh, for, for Connecticut and other parts of, of New England. Um, but also Connecticut's not done with, with uh, contracting for offshore wind projects. And we estimate that by the time Connecticut has, has fulfilled at least its current uh, goal of, of buying offshore wind, we we estimate that around one third of Connecticut's power will come from offshore wind.
0: Mike, question for you. Let's talk a little bit about the state pier and the Port of New London and its role in the ongoing offshore wind projects that we've got going on in Connecticut, how it's going to support uh, basically and be a hub for this up and coming system. Could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yes. So the Port of New London and St. Pierre are going to play a crucial role in the uh, construction of these three wind farms. and really kind of have a front row seat um, to this uh, major transformation that we're going to see as we transition to to cleaner energies. And so what's going to be happening in New London is that for all three of our projects, we will deliver to the the port and preassemble our wind turbines um, before they're brought out. To the to the lease area for final for final installation and construction and so our first our first project in, in our queue of three projects is south fork wind and starting next year once the re- redevelopment at state pier is completed um, our wind turbines will be delivered to state pier technicians will preassemble the the wind turbines and then they'll be uh, loaded onto construction ships uh, to, to uh to install at the wind farm itself, the Port of New London has some incredible advantages relative to other areas along the Atlantic coast um, for, for large construction projects offshore such as offshore wind. And those, those advantages are it's a deep water port and it, it has no, uh, no bridges or hurricane gates between it and open water so it can accommodate very large vessels and has a highly skilled workforce. Um, and so, Connecticut, Connecticut Port Authority identified that several years ago, and and together we we formed a a, a lease and arrangement with the uh, with the state that really enabled a major uh, redevelopment project there that is currently underway. If you were to go to New London today, um, you, can, you can see a major construction project out there to rebuild state pier and turn it into a a, a really a world class heavy lift port that's going to pe- Obviously, play a key role in the construction of these three wind projects. I believe that they'll, it'll also play a role in future wind projects, but also it's going to it's going to be a, a, a an asset that serves Connecticut extremely well for decades to come. Not just for offshore wind, but for other uses as, as well. So, very excited to be a part of that
0: effort. Mike, you mentioned the workforce that goes along with that site. And this ongoing project, in general, what kind of jobs does this mean for Connecticut? You know, what what different roles are there in keeping up with this kind of a facility?
1: Construction of the new pier and port is underway, and we estimate that over the course of that construction effort, there will be uh, 400 jobs um, created, construction jobs created during during that effort, and primarily, the, that that workforce is going to come from our from our building's trades uh, here in Connecticut. So that's during the construction. Once the project's complete and we start um, uh, building our offshore wind farms, we estimate that about a 80, excuse me, about 80 to 120 jobs uh, will be created, and those jobs are going to run the, the, the gamut from traditional, um, uh, you know, port work um, like stevedoring, um, but you'll also see jobs there um, uh, rel- uh, related to the, uh, the technical work around pre-assembling. The, uh, the the wind turbines so you'll have technicians uh, that are working out there as well. So all in all, during during operations, at least for the wind, wind wind farm work, we we expect about 80 to 120 jobs to be created.
0: Mike, another question for you here. The cost of updating and upgrading the pier has gone from the original estimate in 2019 93 million to 255 million and that appears to be the final price here as we get into early next year for the construction. So What's this cost all about here? What goes into the project for such a large number, and how is it going to serve Connecticut really, really well to justify the cost?
1: No, it's a good question, and and, and really in terms of like what's driving um, the, the higher cost. Yeah, you know, that really is a question that the Port Authority is, uh, is is suited to answer. But in terms of the value to Connecticut, um, I, you know, I, I look at it through a couple of different lenses. No, number one, it's 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 going to be a port that really has been underutilized for a long time, but once, this, once the work is complete, it's going to be a port that's going to be active and serve Connecticut for decades um, to come. And, and as I mentioned a, a little while ago, it really is going to play a key role in, in, these, in the construction of these offshore wind farms and the transition of our, our state and in our region uh, to cleaner energy. And then, and then finally, along the way, it's going to create um, jobs and economic development here in here in Connecticut. Um, so I really do uh, applaud Connecticut's vision and leadership. They identified uh, the need for this and the opportunity for New London several years ago. Um, and so I, I really do, I, I really do, you know, believe Connecticut demonstrated considerable leadership in this, and, and it, it will be a good investment. Again, it's going to serve the state for decades to
0: come. I'm Morgan Cunningham for anybody joining us right now on Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC, and also Light 100.5 WRCH this morning. And uh, one half of our conversation is with David Ortiz. He's the head of government affairs and market strategy northeast at Orsted. Uh, Part of our conversation this morning talking about wind energy and the partnership going on between Eversource Energy and Orsted as well. When we think, David, about educating the community. This is obviously a project that is going to take a good campaign to teach not only Connecticut residents, but also local governments from the average town to a county to the whole state, really, to help teach Connecticut residents and populations about these changes that are coming in the state's energy. So how do you guys go about teaching and educating people about what's coming down the pike?
3: Through deep engagement, we're really committed, Orsted and Eversource, uh, to, um, to engaging in our local communities um, with, with all stakeholders, um, with institutions, with government, with the private sector, um, and, and with um, Connecticut residents who are looking for opportunity in this new industry. So uh, in terms of our, you know, growing the Connecticut workforce, our philosophy is that where we do projects, we want to pull talent. So we we recognize that that it requires an investment, um, and and we also look to invest in in um, communities that have been underserved or underrepresented in the past. Um, and uh, we know that a critical component of recruitment and retention um, is training, uh, often paired with supporting services and very specific outreach, um, folks who maybe need to take a class but have uh, child care needs. We, we think about all that when we put together our our programs to, to support workforce development. Um, with regards to the supply chain, our supply chain, our projects, the, the supply chain stretches across dozens of states and into the, the inland of of. of the United States, states that you wouldn't think of as supporting offshore wind, but which do. Um, but obviously, you know, where we're building here in the Northeast, um, we're going to have a, a very strong focus on developing the local supply chain. And there are roles to play. We're building substations. We're building vessels. Um, we're transporting cables. All of that work requires uh, uh, local and uh small and medium-sized and large businesses. Uh, And so we partner with the Connecticut Department of Economic and Community Development, DECD, um, and with regional uh, workforce and uh, business uh, agencies like Advanced CT and Sector and the Chamber of Commerce of Eastern Connecticut, who we've been working with very closely for a long time. Uh, We also obviously work very closely with labor and um, we've created partnerships with Mystic Aquarium and Project Oceanology in Groton and the Niantic Children's Museum to create education programs for children. Um, so we're really seeking to plug in and educate and partner at all levels.
0: Mike Osrey is Vice President, Business Development at Eversource Energy. And question for him about the rollout. When we get these turbines running and the energy is being generated and sent out to Connecticut more and more, what's the rollout plan? Is it a very localized, you know, is it only going to be some cities that are going to be benefiting from this? Is it going to be more rural areas? Or is it going to be mixed in with the ongoing and uh, current portfolio of, Power generation for Connecticut. Is that how it's going to work or will it be a localized approach?
1: No, it's the latter. So you got it exactly right. It'll uh, it'll be added into the the mix of our existing um, energy uh, resources. And uh, and, and over time, as as this offshore wind is introduced into into our energy mix, you'll see less and less um, power generated from from carbon-emitting fossil fuels. And one thing that makes offshore wind unique um, is its ability to, uh, to really help New England in the, in the, in the coldest uh, times during the winter. And the reason I say that is offshore winds peak, um, coincidentally, with the coldest, uh, with the coldest times uh, during the winter. And the reason why that's so critical for New England, uh, in particular compared to other parts of the U.S., is nat- we rely heavily currently on natural gas, both for heating but also for power generation. And so, in the winter times when everybody's heating their homes, or lots of people are heating their homes with natural gas, uh, we, uh, we we see a real increase um, in uh, in the use of, uh, of fossil fuels here in New England. And also, we see a higher costs as a result. Um, so it'll so offshore wind will complement our existing power mix, but will really help us when we need it most, which is the winter.
0: I think we're about out of time uh, in another minute or so here on Face Connecticut this morning. It's been a pleasure for me, Morgan Cunningham, to chat with Mike Ostray, Vice President of Business Development at Eversource Energy, and also David Ortiz. He's the head of Government Affairs and Market Strategy Northeast at Orsted. And I'd like to ask you guys one last question each. It'll be the same question for both of you. Any final thoughts? And what's next? Let's start with Michael.
3: I, I guess
1: the, the, my, my final thought is um, I, I'm very excited. Uh, being a being a Connecticut resident and New Englander, I'm very excited um, to see us uh, as a region really have a line of sight on on making the transition to uh, to, to cleaner energies. We, you know, the states, New, Connecticut in particular, have had these these goals for some time, but we really didn't have a roadmap uh, to get entirely there. And I believe now with offshore wind. Uh, we're going to really start to turn the corner and uh, and, and, and really uh, start to finally uh, make progress in the fight against climate change.
0: And David, what about you? Any final thoughts? Anything we didn't touch on?
3: No, I, I don't know that I would say it any differently than Mike did. I, uh, we, we're, we've been working to develop Revolution Wind um, for years and um, looking forward to completing permitting and beginning construction so that Connecticut residents can see and feel the, the positive impacts of this um, transition to clean energy, which will um, not only be crucial from an environmental perspective, but also has the promise to create jobs and uh, economic activity um, for the United States and for Connecticut and for cities like, like New London. So, you know, we've been doing a lot of talking and working and, and it's exciting to be at the point now where the rubber is hitting the road and we can start pushing electrons. So we're just really eager to keep moving.
0: Mike and David, I really appreciate your time this morning on Face Connecticut. Let's touch base again soon and get another update, okay? Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you, Morgan. Thanks. Thank you. Have a good day, guys. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio.